Welcome into another edition of Checkerboard Chat. I am Ryan Schumpert, joined as always by Ryan Cruz, my co-sports editor here at The Daily Beacon. And we got a lot to get into today. It's been a busy week of Tennessee athletics. Tennessee basketball team has a missed opportunity to slip through its fingers down at Auburn on the weekend and before a disappointing effort on the road at Arkansas Wednesday night, and then the Tennessee Lady Vols had a losing skid extend to five games before finally ending that losing skid Sunday with a win against Vanderbilt. And the Tennessee baseball team, having definitely the best week of any of those three teams, they go 3-0 and down in Round Rock at the Round Rock Classic, beating top-five team in Texas Tech and then getting two other solid wins over Houston and Stanford before returning home and blowing out a couple midweek games this week. But uh, let's start with the men's basketball team, and, well, it looked like Tennessee was back on the bubble there with about 15 minutes left at Auburn Saturday before things fall apart, and how do you uh, how do you explain to what happened to Tennessee Saturday? I have no clue how to describe I mean, they just, they had things going there well. They just couldn't defend uh, coming, out, coming out of the gate in the second half, and, I mean, I think... You want to say youth, but by this point, there shouldn't be really any freshmen at this point. You know, they, they've all, you know, with the exception of Vescovi, you know, they've all been here for a couple of months. And even Vescovi has shown that he has that older, the upper class mentality. Uh, but you know, it was just complete collapse by the defense there. Offense couldn't find any uh, rhythm going there either, and it just was an awful combination there for the Vols. Yeah, I mean, you look back at it, they go up 17 with, I believe it's 14.52 left. Bowden hit a mid-range jump shot, and then Muscovy picks up just a mind-numbing foul, 85 feet from the basket for his fourth foul. And then I think that's really where things change, and Jordan Bowden was having an outstanding game. But then you had the fact that Muscovy wasn't in there, Josiah James was playing real poorly. And Auburn always, I mean, you look back at what they did last year. I mean, Grant Williams played really well in that game at Auburn, but they made it hard for Tennessee to get him the ball, and then they did the same thing in the SEC championship game. That Bruce Pearl's teams are always good at denying the post, and they did the same thing Saturday. Tennessee wasn't, wasn't able to get John Fulkerson the ball where they wanted him to, and that kind of left Jordan Bowden to run the offense from the point guard shot and the score all the points. And from that stretch on, I think it was the 18-0 run was about six minutes long. I don't Tennessee turned the ball over four times in that that stretch and didn't really even get a good look. And you know, like you said, they they really stopped guarding. I thought Auburn stopped settling for threes in the second half too. And you know, they they knocked down the open ones that they got. And Brute, or excuse me, Barnes talked about after the game the how many turnovers they had leading the easy transition stuff was his more analysis of the bad defense, but. Just a, a, a poor performance, and what 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 do you make? I mean, of this team's turnover problems, it it seemed like they'd starting to got they'd started to kind of got a little bit of a hold on it in the middle of the conference play. But I mean, the last you count Arkansas last night, the last four games now they've really struggled to take care of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think what you saw is a lot of what happened in that Auburn game is, you know, they they say the big the most important ability is availability, and for a large portion of the game. Vescovi and Fulkerson were in foul trouble and had to sit on the bench, which puts in young guys against a top three Auburn, top three in the conference uh, Auburn team that you know plays defense really well, puts pressure on it. It's a uh, experienced team and that creates problems for Tennessee's young players. And I just think the moment was a little, a little bit, a little bit too big for them. Yeah, and it seemed that way. And you know, a lot of people 
we're criticizing Barnes, you know, for not taking a timeout during that 18 0 run. And I mean, I do think he probably should have taken a timeout. I think my, I mean, but I think that's a little overblown. I mean, you blew, you have a lot of problems going on in an 18 when you blow an 18 point lead. My bigger thing of what I would criticize him for is once Auburn got that game to about seven points, I don't understand the desire to continue keeping Vescovi on the bench. I mean, you're falling apart out there. You can't get good shots. You're once you let Auburn take retake the lead, and Tennessee did do a pretty good job of fighting back and keeping it competitive after Auburn took the lead. But once Auburn took the lead, the way that building was jumping, the way your team was playing, your chances of winning were slim. It feels arbitrary to try to keep Vescovi out of out of foul trouble to have him at the end of the game, where I feel like they would have been much more beneficial of sticking him in in the middle of the Auburn run, trying to stop the bleeding a little bit, and providing Bowden with a another option, you know, some some help on offense because. As much frustrating as Jordan Bowden's season's been for him, and you know any Tennessee fan and anyone in that locker room, he was absolutely outstanding on Saturday. And Tennessee really wasted what was the best performance of his career: 28 points, six assists, four rebounds on nine of 12 shooting, three of four from three-point range, seven of seven from the free throw line. And we we're talking about that bad stretch. Two of the shots that he missed were in that stretch where he just kind of had to throw up desperation stuff at the end of the shot clock, but. Right now, you you look at what they've got in the last three games. Vescovi's starting to come back down to earth a little bit more. And since Josiah Jordan James, as he played pretty well at South Carolina in his return from injury, but since that, he has really given them not much. And he was pretty abysmal on Saturday with zero points on OS6 shooting, including some bad turnovers, especially late in the game. And, you know, I think you talk about the, teams, the young, young nature of this team I think you saw that because Tennessee was, what, down by three with a minute left, and James had a wide-open three, and he turns it down to drive in the basket and ends up turning it over. But a poor performance there, and, you know, they, they come back, and last night against against Arkansas, it seemed like it carried, it, the second half of Auburn completely carried over. They By the time the, the game before it was the Georgia-South Carolina game and it went into overtime, so by the time that they got the, the broadcast on, the falls were down by – what, 15 points, and what was a, a pretty abysmal uh, first first half, but they showed some life in the second half, fought back, got it to two points at one point, but in the end, what Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe, who was not there for Arkansas in the last game, were able to do, just gave Tennessee too many problems. What, what, what were your takeaways from last night? I just think all uh, Arkansas came out much faster. You know, looking here at the score sheet, uh, during that run, uh, Mason Jones had two back-to-back uh, fast breaks, and that shows you that's, shows you how they're bringing more tempo in the game. And Tennessee's not ready to match that coming out of the gate, and that really what is what allowed the Razorbacks to get ahead. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that two easy baskets for Jones. He's the guy that is a great, great player for him, and that went one of ten in the first game. And then you know he's a talented guard, he's an athletic guard. You let him get stuff like that easy early in the game, that just gets him into rhythm. And I mean, it was a tale of just complete opposite games from the first game to the second game. He was excellent last night, scoring 37 points, including going 12, 15 at the free throw line. And then Isaiah Joe as well. His giving Tennessee another guard to have to have to deal with is is such a big difference right now, just because of the way Tennessee struggles to guard. Man-on-man pressure, a lot of that's just due to Vescovius. I don't want to say unathleticism, but he struggles on man-to-man defense at this point in his career. But you look at what Tennessee has done in the past, I guess they're just on a two-game losing skid because they 
beat a horrible Vanderbilt team at home in a game they didn't play very well. They but did, in a game that Coach Barnes would tell you they didn't deserve to win. Yeah, so, I mean, they're coming off of just two losses in a row, but really four per- poor performances in a row when you go back to the South Carolina game. And a tough finish, Florida at home, who's starting to play their best basketball this season at Kentucky and then Auburn at home. How does Tennessee save things now? And I mean, I don't think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. How do they save things, not have this be a season known for the collapse at the end? How do they work their way into the NIT? I think you've got you've got to try and steal the Florida win. And but all around, you, they've got to they've got to play smart. They, they they've got to go at, as Deontay Wilder said, go out on their shield. Don't lie down, and make stupid mistakes, and just get blown off the court in these past games. You know. Let them, if you're going to lose, lose by skill. You know, play your game, do what you have to do. You know, make the other teams beat you. Don't lose. Don't don't beat yourself. Yeah, I mean, you look at the just the turnovers. It's been it's hard to win. We turned the ball over 20-plus times. And, I mean, that's what Rick Barnes, Rick Barnes is saying. And it's just it, a lot of it just boils down to that. You, you can't do that, especially against a team like Auburn on the road. In a game that you know, it was funny. I was telling my roommate this. He hadn't he hadn't seen it. Joe Lenardi had actually tweeted out after the game was over, where it was like, "Big win for Tennessee at Auburn. Ball is back on the bubble." <laughs> I guess uh, old Joe saw the 17 point spread with a couple with 12, 13 minutes left, and uh, thought the balls won it, but a little twist in a the knife there to for Tennessee fans, but. Certainly a disappointing performance, disappointing week for the basketball team, but it's it has a lot of feels. Barnes has kind of talked about it. He's compared the teams a little bit. It has a lot of feels to his second team here during Grant Williams' freshman year where they were in the bubble, kind of on the right side of the bubble in January before Robert Hubbs, who was, as a senior, was the best player on that team and got injured and they kind of collapsed late in the season. Obviously, no recent injuries for this team, but it's kind of had a similar feel, but We'll see if they can right the ship Saturday against a, a Florida team and a Florida program that Rick Barnes has had success against in his time at Tennessee. But moving on a bit to the Lady Vols, they didn't have they had a little more success than the men did it in Fayetteville, Arkansas last week, but not enough to get a win as they fell at 83 to 75. It was their fifth straight loss in conference play, falling to seven and six, 17 and nine, kind of. Falling their way a bit onto the bubble, and on the you know the right side of it still, and then they right the ship a little bit. Uh, Sunday against Vanderbilt, they get a win, and the game they also didn't really play great in 67-63. What do you see this this team's issues have been over the past past two weeks? Well, I, I think the lack of depth uh, has finally caught up to them. Uh, you know, they're a short team. Well, not not in terms of short roster. Like they're they're definitely yeah. one of the taller teams in the league. Uh, but I think to their benefit, as much of a hard draw that the men team, the men's team got in the closing weeks, women's team got one of the best draws, finishing out the season with the worst three teams in the league. Uh, so I think that positions them well. I think they can easily finish out this last stretch three and zero. But you know, yeah, I mean you, you think they kind of need, they kind of have to. You know, they're still. I saw someone one of bracket women's basketball bracketologist was saying. They're in for now, but unless they pick up another quality win in the SEC tournament, they could be a little vulnerable. And they're not going to pick up any good wins in the regular season, as you were saying. But And, you know, those are teams they should easily take care of. But it does add a little pressure because a loss in any of those games could be pretty catastrophic. 
to this team's chances, but that's kind of the interesting thing about this team. They've kind of gone on the on the chalk all year. They haven't really been upset by anyone. They've mostly taken care of their business, but haven't been able to spring many upsets. Like, I mean, I guess they sprung the Notre Dame upset early in the season, but you look at what right. you look yeah, at what Notre Dame is now. Dame is now that if this game had played now, that probably wouldn't have been an upset. Yeah, they, exactly. They've they've had certainly a tough season with all the people that departed from last year's team. It's it's going to be an interesting interesting finish for Tennessee. It's kind of the same thing we said all year. Can they find anyone to consistently step up besides Renia Davis? Ray Burrell's been good in the past past week or so. She scored 12 in Tennessee's win against Vanderbilt. She scored 21 in Tennessee's loss at Arkansas. But after that, no one scored in, in double digits in the game at Arkansas. Jordan Horston had a really good game. You know, she struggled a little bit as late. Kind of hit, seemed like she might have been hitting a bit of a freshman wall. But she had a great game against Vanderbilt, scoring 16 points. Can she find some consistency offensively? Can Jasmine Massengale find some consistent consistency offensively? You know, Lou Brown's been dealing with injuries. She hasn't been able to give him quite as much as she was earlier in the season. So it'll it'll be a very interesting finish and certainly a good test for Kelly Harper's bunch in her first season. See if they can handle these pressure type situations to get back to the NCAA tournament and then see if they can make a little something happen in the NCAA tournament. Speaking of making things happen, that was the story for the Tennessee baseball team on the weekend. They were off to a, you know, a nice 4-0 four, four start to the season, had dominated their first four opponents, but you know Western Illinois, Charlotte, nothing to write home about. They go to, to Texas for the weekend. They face a Texas Tech team that was number one in one poll, number five in D1 baseball poll, you know, a top five team in basically every baseball Pull and they go out and play outstanding, win 6-2, and then follow that up. No hangover the next two days, 8-4 win over Houston, 7-2 win over Stanford. I'll start with the Texas Tech game. How impressed were you with this team's ability to come just right from the first inning, jump on them, really not let up, and just were consistently the best team against one of the best five teams in the country? I think, you know, you saw in the opening season, or the open series is this team had the potential – Played really well, uh, but there's always that question of you know this is you know it's Western Illinois. How much does this really mean? Uh, that was actually Western Illinois' first time outside this spring, so yeah. it was always a question of yes, but what's going to happen when they you know they knew this was going to be this good litmus test down in Texas. I think they definitely acquitted themselves really well. Uh, they played their game, they executed, uh, pitching uh, continued on, you know, continued to hit, hit the long ball. Uh, and just take care of business there. Yeah, I mean, you, the long ball you talk about, that was, and it still is to a degree, but that was my biggest question. They hit for power so well in the first four games with some guys that didn't hit for much power as freshmen a year ago, and you wonder, can they keep this up? Can a guy like Zach Daniels be consistent against top-level pitching? And then within the first two innings against Texas Tech, you have Jordan Beck, who's a freshman home run, Jake Rucker home run, Zach Daniels inside the park home run, and they just immediately answered those questions and they didn't let up. And the story of the weekend, I feel like, really has to be the the pitching out of the bullpen. I mean, they were the pitching as a whole was outstanding, but for Tennessee to be down four pitchers right now, the ace Garrett Crochet, Camden Sewell, who's a guy who will compete for a SEC weekend starter spot, Rack Jason Racker is a guy who. Before the season, they thought could compete for a weekend starter spot. I'm not sure now he's missed so much time with Mono. That'll be a bit of a problem. And then Will Heflin, a, a very valuable senior left-handed arm, 
to be short all those guys and to still just get incredible production out of the bullpen. You go game by game, and the first first game against Texas Tech, Sean Hundley out of the bullpen gave them four innings, scoreless, gave up one hit, two walks, five strikeouts, and you know five strikeouts is something that stood out to me. He's a guy that is just his first two years gotten outs, but 90 degree fast, 90 mile mile per hour fastball, not striking out a lot of guys. A pitch to contact guy. His breaking ball has improved. He's really gotten a lot better. And then in the win over Houston, you have Jackson Leaf throw 4.2 innings out of the bullpen, give up two hits, one run, wasn't earned, strikeout eight. Absolutely, you know, just incredible performance from him. And then, as we talked about, the lack of pitching depth, they only got an inning and two-thirds out of the starter, Elijah Pleasance, on Sunday. But Drew Gilbert, as a freshman, comes in, gives him good innings, and Redmond Walsh, kind of the, the best guy in that bullpen, gives him three scoreless to close it out. But just an overall very impressive weekend. And it gets a little it gets pretty easy now until conference play. What what do you think this team needs to show in the next eight games now with the rest of this homestand? Well I think you know they've got to keep up this uh, keep up this pace. I think the, the biggest thing is when you're going on playing the string of lower quality teams is keeping your mind sharp, keeping your preparation, you know, keep working hard in practice, keep attacking every day with that same intensity and just not, you know, focusing on you gotta keep focusing on what's to come, not what you're dealing with right now. Two guys that are more the veteran, proven guys on this team have have struggled a little bit this year. Evan Russell hit a home run last night. Al Solari also hit a home run last night, but Evan Russell just sitting 250 so far in the season, and Alex Solari just hitting 179 so far in the season. Any level of concern there with the, the slower starts from those two guys? No, I I think you know. Baseball, you're going to have some times where you're just down a slump. Uh, you know, those two have shown they're great players. And, you know, to you know look at it from an analytical point of view, the, the sample size is not really significant at this point. Yeah. Uh, so I think if, if it continues on, you know, before we get to SEC play, then that could be an issue. But otherwise, I think you got to trust that they're going to break through any day now. Yeah, it, especially for, for a guy like Solari. It just feels like it's, it's a matter of time. The pitching staff, what what do you think? How do you think this thing shape, shakes out when everybody gets back? And and I'll ask you, I'll start it with this. Do you you know I know you don't none of you no one has a great idea of when it'll be. How do how long do you think they'll hold out Sewell and Crochet? Do you think they'll get any action before SEC play, or do you think it's a thing that they're really just targeting that first weekend against South Carolina? I don't think I think it'll be a little before. Uh, I I don't think Coach Fatello is would put in a starter like that. You know, first off against SEC play, uh, you know the whole point of this preseason-ish area uh, non-conference schedule is to get everyone ready, and you know of a position of such importance as starting pitcher, you want him to get that practice uh, against some lower quality, so that when he is when it does come time for the South Carolina series, that he's ready. Uh, and so I think they, they want to focus on the SEC schedule. They want to get him ready for that. So I. Back to the kind of question I was starting with. When they get those guys back, one, how do you think would you best project the weekend rotation to fill out? Second, how do you think the bullpen shapes out? Do you think they just go less use on guys, less of this long extension, you know, long inning relief pitchers, or do you think some some guys will see a little bit less playing time, see their role really diminish? 
I think uh, Crochet will probably be your, your, your ace, your Friday starter. But other than that, I think it's very wide open. Uh, I'd say it's probably a little more set going into the season, but now with the way everyone else has uh, played going on, uh, going on through these games, it'll open up a lot. Uh, I think Leith will definitely get some looks for yeah. uh, starter. But, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, coming out of the bullpen, I think Coach Vitello is probably going to use a mix depending on the game. You're probably going to see a lot more guys used uh, in, instead of trying to stretch guys out, you know, get them for as, what, as much as they can. And then, you because know, he realizes he has such a depth, uh, such depth in his back pocket that I think he's going to utilize that. Yeah, I think when you get into SEC play and you see this pitching staff be more complete, I think you'll see. Less of a guy like Sean Hundley going four innings on Friday and then sitting him out for the rest of the weekend. I think you'll maybe see more two, you know, more traditional MLB style bullpen, you know, two one one, and then have be able to use a guy like Hundley, a guy like Leaf, multiple times on on the weekend. But it'll be an interesting schedule to follow. It's it's pretty soft here until we get into conference play in two weeks. They will take on three games against George Washington, who has a pretty solid program this weekend. One of their better mid-major teams will take on the rest of this pre-SEC slate before a midweek game with Longwood, a three-game series with Wright State, and then they'll host ETSU on March 10th before going to South Carolina on March 13th through 15th for their SEC opening series That'll be that'll do it for this edition of the Checkerboard Chat. For Ryan Cruz, I am Ryan Schumpert. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.